0: So we're gonna we're gonna finish up question fifty one, which is about what is forbidden uh, on the Sabbath day. The what does the question read exactly? I don't have it in front of me. Oh, by the way, I have a, a document for you to download it, uh, in the chat. It's called Notes uh, ten eleven twenty, and it has the questions uh, that we're gonna look at today, possibly. So
1: the question is, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? Okay, so the
0: yeah the question is, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? We were looking at the question that follows it up in the Westminster Shorter, which is, what is forbidden? Um, uh, Deborah, I used this great Hebrew uh, dad joke, which is that this is a low-key commandment, meaning that it gives you a command, then a low phrase, which says, what is forbidden, and then a key phrase, which tells you why. Low being the Hebrew word for not, and key being the word for, uh, for, or because, um, and... It was glorious, so um, I wanted to use as kind of a case study what I think is uh, the danger of uh, being counting, uh, rule-making, Sabbath following, uh, and that is travel. Uh, We hear a lot, in fact, uh, frequently when you hear uh, the Sabbath referenced in the Bible, even in the book of Acts, Uh, It has to do with how far you can travel, a Sabbath day's journey. Uh, And you'd think that that was set down in scripture, but it actually wasn't. Uh, It it was established by the rabbis. uh, And initially it was, the, the assumption was that to travel to a place or from place to place meant to travel to a city. And so they decided it would be acceptable to travel 2000 cubits and if you don't know, a cubits from your elbow to the tip of your middle finger for the average man, um, about a foot and a half. Uh, And so you could go 2,000 cubits and you'd be safe. Any further, you were breaking the law. And that was super serious stuff. Later, the Pharisees doubled the distance because there was this rule. um, Basically, it was was kind of loopholed in that, wait a minute, if you've prepared food ahead of time, In a different house or location that's 2,000 cubits away, you could go there, and that would become your dwelling, at least temporarily. And then you could go another 2,000 from there because now you're not going further from home. Uh, So 4,000 cubits, which is about 6,000 feet or a little over a mile, became the Sabbath day's journey. Uh, But in the New Testament, that's not what we mean when we read Sabbath day's journey because later on someone said, hold up. If you go 4,000 cubits, you still have to go back home before you go to bed. And so they doubled it again and said, okay, 8,000 cubits is allowed, which is 144,000 inches, uh, which has some prophetic significance or eschatological <laughs> meaning, I think. But uh, that's about two and a quarter miles that they decided on. Uh, and in doing that, and then each time they did that, keeping very strictly people their conscience is bound under the boot of the, the the extra rules added to the law i think shows what we want to avoid in general uh the idea that there are i mean if, if you make for yourself i just don't do that on the lord's day because it's set aside to rest and for a holy gathering and to worship great but i think that in certain churches fundamentalist churches especially there tends to be um you know i saw that family out to eat on the Lord's day. So they were making somebody work who obviously isn't perfectly comfortably. Well, maybe not. They're perfectly comfortable working, but they're doing it anyway. Um, and probably they are perfectly comfortable working on a Sunday uh, or, you know, I saw them out to eat at a place that serves beer, which any other day of the week would be okay. But on Sunday, no, no, it's the Lord's day. So, so, you know, you, you I, I've heard a lot of this stuff. In fact um, I was told when we had our, our class on different denominations, uh, I was telling uh, the class that I had actually dabbled in this reformed Baptist church that was near where I went to college uh, because I was really into the Calvinist uh, stuff and the reformed tradition. And also I was a Baptist and it was right practically on campus. And I said to the pastor, I was like, can I buy you lunch and talk about this stuff? And I didn't even say today, like, let's go right now. But he must have inferred that that's what I meant. And he looked at me like, Ugh. He said, "We don't go out to eat on the Lord's Day," and I was like, "All right, see you never." Um, I didn't. I didn't want to get into that sidecar, that just uh, side clown car. I, I don't have any. I don't have any interest in you know the the heavy weight of the law coming. You know, the heavy weight of the law strikes back. The sequel. I I want to keep the the Jesus uh, yoke, which is light. Um, there are some who have tried to make a case for keeping these rules because we read in Acts 1.12 um, that something is about a Sabbath day's journey. And that's, of course, after the resurrection of Christ. What do you make of that?
1: Well, if that's a common descriptor, then certainly you would use that descriptor. Whether or not you felt bound to it.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't say the distance formerly known as a Sabbath day's journey. I mean, especially when, when you're dealing with a still a fairly Jewish document describing the very earliest workings of a very Jewish church. Everybody would have known what it meant. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, we're not going to say the number of stadia. We're going to say what we're used to, a Sabbath day's journey. Um, and I think that for us to, to limit, like, I mean, Alex and I traveled back from the Doc and Devo conference on Sunday. That was many, many miles. It was, it was from the others, the far side of Chicago, back to Lansing. Um, about half the way, we were, he was reading the scripture and we were discussing it. Uh, and did we invalidate our our fellowship and our study of God's word by driving too far? Th- these ideas, I think, are, uh, they're going away, but they're not. I mean, if you drive by, I'm not going to say the name of the church, but the the one in town that's super into this kind of stuff, it's packed. It is packed full. People so, like rules. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a certain there's a certain uh, comfort I think from here's a list of rules, and that's. I mean, it's always been the case, and, and it always probably will be. And and not to say there's any, there's something wrong with agreeing to them, but binding the conscience of people against their will kind of with this heavy yoke of the law and it gets mixed into the gospel is what scares me. You know, just, just like when somebody's uh, even evangelism is like uh, we went to a, a Jack Van Impey, uh, God rest his soul uh, event. I confess kind of just to chuckle about it and for me to blog about it, but this was years ago. This was like 2010, late 2010. And he gave a very powerful gospel presentation. Blood of Jesus. I mean, he he wasn't he wasn't some namby pamby guy. He had a ton of the Bible memorized, but he connected it with. In 2012, we'll all be looking down. That's what he said, meaning we will have been raptured. The church will be raptured. Um, and of course, I'm going uh, looking down at what? If if we've been caught up, that means the judgment sound. But you know, that's a it's a different eschatological view. Obviously, we're not. So if someone had put their faith in Jesus on that night, I fear that it would have been a huge stumbling block now in 2020, whenever they think of that, like, wait a minute, that same guy who told me Jesus died for my sins and set me free also told me that the European Union had this many members about this and the microchip in my hand and blah, blah. Now, you know, and now that whole set is saying, you know, the vaccine's going to chip you and that's the market. These kind of things. And I think the law is one of those things it can be misused and it can confuse the gospel so that even someone who hears the message of salvation, then later on it's a snare and it trips them up because it's still, it's still holding them prisoner in areas where they should have freedom in Christ. Now we don't believe in antinomianism, throw it all off. Certainly, but especially when we get into something like the Sabbath day's journey, you know, do you get gas? You can get gas, but it has to be full service or you can get gas, but not more than two gallons. So that, that would bring us, I guess, into this one more little revisiting of the idea of deeds of necessity and mercy. Like I'm sure there are some, in fact, I had a, a professor at uh, cornerstone. He'd come from Grisboom, which is Grand Rapids school of Bible and music a little more on the conservative side. Amazing, amazing guy, brilliant Bible scholar. Um, and he would not get gas on the Lord's day. He just didn't want to. He didn't feel right about it. Great. Good. No problem with that. Um, and, I, and someone said, What if you're about to run out? He said, Well, then I get it. That's a necessity. I'm not worried that God is angry with me. I need to get it. I need to get it if I, if I need to get it. Um, and my question is, Why are those things okay? I mean, Jesus gives examples to kind of shame his adversaries. It, you know, if your son was uh hurt or stuck or even your ox fell into a pit you'd save him so why shouldn't i be able to heal people on the sabbath but that that doesn't really give the theological reason uh that just was showing their hypocrisy why is something like mercy or necessity why are these things acceptable i mean jesus could have healed the guy's withered hand the next day he totally could have come back and he could have said let me get your name here's my card right i should i feel like i should have like a corny pastor joke like what's on the card but i don't i don't have anything um why are they why are those things okay well the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so that that seems to be the reason that jesus puts behind most of his positions on the sabbath controversies certainly you you've got the whole thing backwards um if this if this is holding you hostage and not helping you enjoy your life more, but keeping you from enjoying that day and enjoying your Creator and your fellowship and and your church family or your synagogue family, you're doing it wrong. That is certainly the case.
1: Well, I don't know if there's a theological um, underpinning to this, but it seems like um, if you if you did have if somebody came to you here on a Sunday, which they sometimes do, looking for help. And you said sorry can't help you on Sunday you have to come back tomorrow That'd be a terrible witness and I don't know if there's any particular scripture to point to to support that but it it just seems reasonable to suggest that if you are um, if you are someone who claims Christ and this is part of your lifestyle is, is being merciful to people then why
0: would you limit that? You guys can hear Aaron, right? Yeah. My humidifier came on, so I had to go turn it off. So I missed a little. Also, does someone have like a baseball game or something yeah. going on a radio? Okay. I
1: don't know what that is? The yeah. kids are watching cartoons.
0: Oh, okay. Um, on mute. So I think that I think both of those things are are right. Um, one reason that I have heard given, and I think this is a good theological reason is that God, I mean, the whole thing is about what God rested from his labor of creating on the seventh day. He didn't have to, but he did. He established the pattern. This puts the Sabbath before the Mosaic law and builds it into being someone who believes in in this God and follows him. Uh, But he only rested from his work of creation. He did not rest from sustaining and preserving what he had made. If he had rested entirely in that way, He would have been like, wow, this is great. And then blip, Adam, you know, like, (laughs) so so the example we have is resting from your labors. If there is something um, that we need to do to help preserve our brother or to help keep our roof from falling in because a tree branch landed on it or whatever, um, even in an Old Testament setting, there was room for that. Uh, And, you know, the one example Jesus gives is David eating consecrated bread, uh, which was even worse than just breaking the Sabbath. Uh, And it was just because they were so hungry. And that's the food that was there. Uh, And they were, you know, they were fleeing. And and there was all that remember flying from and defending ourselves against an enemy. That is a standard deed of necessity. So, you know, things that are required of us, uh, and we talked, of course, a bit last week about people whose occupations just are, they're not going to be able to say, eh, take Sunday off. I'm sure that uh, myocardial infarction will keep, you know, it's, it, there, there are things, or even um, there are people who need to feed people. There are people who need to, to, to do all sorts of things. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the question that we posed and I told you to think about over the week. I knew you wouldn't, but maybe in your subconscious. Well, it was your question, Aaron. It was. It was your question and I said, "Yeah, let's all think about was it." My it was this, did Jesus ever uh, get in trouble for from the point of view of the Pharisees breaking the Sabbath apart from these deeds of mercy that he does? Oh,
1: that's a good question.
0: It's a good question uh, left unattended.
1: <laughs> Calvin thought about it, I'm
0: sure. You see um, I don't
1: remember. That.
0: Each day of the week, you can you can think hard and Work on these things and rest from your labors on the Sabbath. (laughs) Does anyone, does anything come to mind for anybody? Because obviously Jesus is our our gold standard to look at for how we approach every aspect of our lives.
1: Did uh, Jesus um, harvest with his apostles on that time when? um, Yeah.
0: yeah. Would that be
1: an example of it?
0: I, I would think you could call that necessity, but maybe not. I mean, they wouldn't have starved to death if they hadn't. I mean, especially when you think about how much they're getting. Yeah. You're popping the heads off. Right. You're going like this. You're, it's just a snack, right? It's, uh, you know, it's trail mix. Um, yes. the, the first century Palestinian version. That may get close to, to being um, just, we have the freedom to do it, and we are, rather than this has to be done. This is, you know, showing God's mercy to, to, to one of God's creatures. I think maybe another one is, uh, and this isn't Jesus directly, but it's his command, when he's healed a, a paralytic and tells him, take up your bed and go home. And he's like halfway home. And the Pharisees are like, hey, what are you doing? It is unlawful to carry your bed on the Sabbath. And he's like, well, it's funny you said that because the guy who had the power to give me my legs back after being paralyzed my whole life told me to. So one side. Uh, and in that case, I mean, Jesus could have told him, leave the bed behind. Uh, you know, undoubtedly it's kind of gross at this point anyway, but it's like a, it's like a trophy of what's been done for you, right? Pick it up and go. It's like this triumphal. It's the opposite of the walk of shame. It's the walk of glory. And there's no biblical reason for Jesus to go along with this rule that you can't pick up a little roll up a mat and walk with it. Just like there's no reason for Jesus to go along with, you can't pop off a head of grain and go like this because you're threshing and winnowing. Um
1: it's, you, a, so it's such a mean, small way to look at life.
0: And you, you gotta assume somebody in that group, I guess assuming is dangerous, but I mean, this is a this is a guy who's been paralyzed. You know, they they recognized some people when they were healed, right? Just the, the city did. They're like, oh, this guy's walking now. Um, and, and for their reaction not to be joy. You can walk, praise God, but yeah. hey, man, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think that's that's the same. That's that sneaky, I'm going to finger wag, but then we're going to keep on finding the loopholes so that we can, you know, I set some food 2,000 cubits away, so eh, I, I, that's my new home base and all this kind of stuff. Uh, our approach to the Sabbath should be That it's not optional, I don't think. Uh, The idea of one out of seven for rest and worship, it's not unimportant, but it's for us. It's not uh, something that we're supposed to be dragged down by or dragging around ourselves. I love this little uh, couplet by John Milton, one of the great Baptists of all time. Oh, perfect pattern from above, so strengthen us that ne'er prayers keep us back from works of love or works of love from prayer. Uh, And, you know, in our piety and keeping the law, let us never say, oh, I can't do homeless angels. Sunday is my day to just chill. Um, Remember, Jesus fed the hungry and healed and delivered uh, people from evil spirits and things on the Lord's Day uh sabbath is for man not man for the sabbath uh that's question 51 that's the fourth commandment let's get into question 52 uh steve the there's a document there um in the chat that has uh the questions on it i want to i want everyone to unmute and try to read this thing together uh if you're if you're listening um after the fact here on the the rss feed uh we are Basically online only today, uh, just this one week. And uh, (laughs) we're going to see how this sounds. Uh, We're not going to sing together, but we're going to try to recite together. So if you've got it in front of you, which is the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I couldn't hear any of them. I think they were mouthing it. I think you were mouthing it.
1: (laughs) I was saying it out loud.
0: (laughs) Okay, well maybe we were right in sync and that's why I I couldn't hear you. Um, So this is just, this first question is always just, what is the commandment? Um, This is probably not overly uh, useful, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I think this is uh, such an unusual commandment that I wanna show you a couple things. I'm gonna share my screen here a minute.
1: Why are you doing that, Pastor Zach, since I wasn't here last week? So is your plan of approaching the, the lessons, it's like going through four questions starting from the last one moving forward, or I mean, like today we are at 51, and we're going to cover four questions today? Is that how you're...
0: Oh, no, not necessarily. We just go until it's time to stop.
1: Okay so I, I guess I'm curious why we why we didn't start with question 1 or maybe I'm you did all those and I'm just coming in at question 51 is that where what yes happened? yes okay. so we started
0: with question 1 about a year and two months ago. Okay. So <laughs> oh, catch up Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> now Deborah you were part of the class I believe when we did this on uh, Wednesday nights. Right, right. Okay. So so you're already I mean you're in familiar territory anyway. Right, okay. And I don't
1: see a Doc in the chat. Maybe oh, yeah, like you have to already have been today. there
0: when it was uploaded. Yeah. What's definitely- the name
1: of the confessional? I can
0: just find it online. Read- oh, you know what? Just go to um, churchlansing.com mm-hmm. um, and then click resources and yes. uh, confessions. And it's, it's called Spurgeon's. Uh, Spurgeon. I call it Spurgeon's Catechism there. All right. He called it a Puritan's Catechism, but I think he was having an off day when he named it. 52. Really, because it's a Baptist catechism, a Baptist version of this catechism anyway. Okay, um, so here is the commandment. It is Exodus 20, verse 12. And this is a different kind of commandment. Um, we've seen one positive commandment already, right? Which was which one?
1: The last one. By mother and father.
0: Right. No, well, this is on a mother and father. What was the the... Aaron, the last one being
1: keep the Sabbath day
0: holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That so the first ones were all low commands. They start with low, they start with no. Right? Mm-hmm. Have no other gods before me. Do not make any graven images. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh then we had a positive one which had the low um kind of corollary to it. Uh, and then we had and the key clause explaining why. Um, and now we have the only other positive phrased command. Uh, and this one doesn't have the low corollary to it. It doesn't say uh, like, you know, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And by that, I mean, don't you do any work, nor your maidservant, nor your, and there's all these no's built into it. This one doesn't have that. This one is, is simply an imperative, uh, meaning it's in the second person and it's a, you do this, um. Not even a you will do this uh, like the others are. Uh, so let's let's have a look here at uh, what makes it different. First of all, uh, this word honor here here it is in the the Ivrit, uh Kabed, Yes, Aaron Aaron called that out. Uh, Kabed is a the verb form of the word kavod, which is tattooed on my arm in Israel. By I mean it's no big deal, you guys. Yes, the guy has his family has been doing tattoos since 1300. It's the oldest you know tattoo. Uh, practice in the world but you know and the old the centuries old woodblock that he used and he's been using to mark pilgrims uh and his family has for centuries is the same one that two members of the royal family right now had uh in the same shop and tattooed so what i mean big deal um but the word it means the reason we had it done is because the guy we were with cliff graham his whole thing is kavod which in the old testament is this notion of glory honor Respect uh, this this idea of um, living your life uh, by a code and giving glory to God with how you live your life. Uh, and at its core, this idea, whether it's uh, kabed uh, kabed here or kavod the the noun, means to be weighty, to be heavy, kind of. Uh, K a b o d or v o d. It's a it's a spirit usually, but here it's it's not. Yeah, uh the verb form would be k-a-b-e-d um kebode eh, eh, i mean uh kebed, uh but you don't care who cares who cares uh <laughs> the the uh idea behind it is to make weighty and i think that's significant to i mean not make weighty but but uh to show to be weighty and and by your praise to perhaps throws a little bit more on to make the, the name yet weightier. Um, I heard for a little while there in like the um, uh, Christian hip hop world. And even into like uh, Chris Tomlin, praise songs and stuff. A lot of people were talking about, uh, I live to make God famous. And I remember a bunch of like egghead, like gospel coalition, like, well, no, here's why that's theologically wrong. And I'm going, no, uh, that's right on make God famous, meaning, glorify him honor him make his name weightier in the eyes of everyone amongst the nations that's that's a great way to put what we are all about um and here we're told this isn't just something reserved for god but uh, honor uh here it says uh your ab and your im okay your av ab, like avraham father uh Avika, uh but at Imeka, your your mother uh you probably have heard Abba and Ima is what like a little uh Hebrew child would call uh her parents like mommy and daddy uh honor them make them weighty uh most of the time like for example uh Kelvin hasn't had to work to make me weighty I've been doing it myself um but <laughs> uh in the sense that that's I just came up with that now it's very very stupid um but in the sense that there is not just uh, empty words here. There is this this notion of something tactile underneath it. Something something that would you know kind of bend the 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 poles of the ark. You know what I mean? Like there is there's a weight to this, and and not not like the heavy weight of the law on our shoulders. There is the the weight of all of our praise and all of our crowns and all of all of what we 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 throw at god's feet and we should have the same uh desire to honor our mother and our father uh not to put them in god's place obviously but to say i want you to be honored i want how i live how i treat you how i treat others to cause people to think of you as being more honorable uh and this is not a command just for kids. And I don't even think it's just a command for people whose parents are still alive. Uh, it, it's, uh, again, built into a, a uniquely biblical way of, of living where the glory is not to be hoarded for me, you know, like Beowulf or somebody it is to be passed to God and to those who he's, uh, put over me to be shared, And uh, this then is where the the thing really gets odd. It's this word right here. We've had the low commandments, which are don't do this. We've had the positive commandments with the low corollary and the key clause, which explains why. Um, But this is the first and only only time. time Well, I'm hearing my own echo. echo. I hate it. Stop. Okay. Um, This is the first and only time that it does this deal. Uh, which is to give a man clause. Uh, and this word means in order that. So it's not just giving you a reason. This isn't the only one that gives you a reason for the command. Uh, for example, for God gave you six days to work and on the seventh day. That's, that's a reason. This gives you the outcome of the command. And that is unique. Why do you think this fifth commandment would be the one to do that. This is kind of trying to peer into the mind of God, so it's all speculation, but I think it's interesting and fun speculation.
1: It seems, like, it seems like that would have been attached to like the first commandment.
0: Agreed, yeah, if I had to guess, if I didn't, if it wasn't on any of them and you said, okay, which one will really yeah, cause them to, to, <laughs> to lengthen their, their days in the land? And by the way, that's what it says here. Despite what, what uh, it's often translated, uh, it says that right here, uh, your days. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yamaka. <laughs> I don't think there's a connection, but Yamaka upon the land, right there. Adam, you see that? That's Adam's name, and then the word ha adamah, uh, is like the ground, the earth, the land, because um, Adam was made out of the land. Uh, which the Lord your God, uh, and this is a participle here, is giving you, is giving to you. So your days will be prolonged upon the land. Not necessarily that you'll live a long time, but that your days will be prolonged. Now, if I was going to guess which one will cause them to live longest, and even having the benefit of hindsight, looking at the history of Israel and what gets them booted from the land, yeah, it seems like idolatry. And yet the prophets do often continually bring up lack of keeping the fifth commandment.
1: Well, and, and isn't isn't there some element of any time we're deviating from what our parents um, taught us? If, if we were brought up in the church, let's say, and we're deviating from that, that's not honoring them, and that's also something like that. That's you're going towards sin, like let's say idolatry. So, like when the Israelites were falling into idolatry, they were not honoring what their parents had taught them, okay. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe it also is kind of the canary in the coal mine of... Um, I'm sorry, what? No, I was for my coffee. Oh. Sean, by the way, check it out. Promise Keepers mug from 1995. Wow. That's right. <laughs> when that breaks, I'm going to literally weep actual tears. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of a... a, a What was I saying? Okay, kind of an indicator. If you're not even going to honor your parents, you're probably so self-centered that you're not going to honor God. You know, he's going to put these these people in authority over you um, and you know them and you live with them. And and, uh, consequences are immediate if you disobey them. Right. And yet God is saying, I expect you to out of love and devotion and covenant loyalty, follow me if you're not going to follow the people you see right in front of you and honor them, you're, you're probably.
1: Although I guess that becomes more complicated when somebody has parents who don't honor God.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. And this (laughs) this is a difficult command for people with unbelieving parents, parents who would want them to, you know, say a a parent says, I don't want you reading that Bible, you know? And I think, well, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves because when we get to the next question, uh, we're going to see just how far, let's get to the next question now. Um, enough here. I'm going to unshare the text. And uh, question 53, what is required in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment requires the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their various positions and relationships as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Uh, Calvin, I want to put you on the spot a minute. Remember learning the uh, Luther's small catechism? Oh, we're learning it right now. Yeah, yeah? well, you were learning it. You've been learning it for years. Uh, the fourth commandment. Oops, typo. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean?
1: We should fear and love God that we...
0: Do not... Do not... Dispare. Despise? Oh, you're close though. You got. You had the beginning. We, we should fear and love God, that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. And if you look at his larger catechism, um, like most catechisms that get into what this means, it goes beyond the parents uh, right away. Um, in that, this they become kind of placeholders for the most immediate authority over your head. And we see that also, as you know, that the, the Decalogue is a summary of the law. And as you see, it kind of spun out and, and expounded and expanded. Um, it's, this is the one that has to do with obeying authority. So the fifth uh, commandment requires preserving honor, and, and of course our catechism goes further yet, performing duties belonging to everyone in their various positions and relationships as superiors, inferiors, or equals. And uh, a bunch of these proof texts uh, are going to come from Ephesians because uh, when we get to chapter 5 and then chapter 6, we're going to see that all of these relationships, you're someone's boss, you're someone's servant, you're someone's kid, you're someone's student, whatever, there are uh, relationships where you have to consciously make sure you're going to honor God. You're not going to lord over someone. You're not going to rebel against someone who's actually in valid authority over you, that kind of thing. I want to note that we have moved from the first table of the law, which is a, a very Baptist way of thinking of the Decalogue, to the second table. Does anyone remember the difference between the two? Aaron's nodding. Any of you guys in Zoom land? What is it? You mean between the commandments? Between the first table. Mm-hmm. And, the the, the table first the and the second table. The first four and the second table. And this relationship with man. Yes. So the, right. first, the first table of the law, this is uh, how you relate to God. You're not taking his name in vain. You're, you're doing this. This is, this is kind of private stuff. Uh, and the early Baptist said the magistrate, the secular authorities have no business uh, giving uh, uh, punishments, handing out punishments for violating these things. And then the second table um, is the, uh, the relationship between you and your neighbor, you and your fellow man. Uh, and that's where the, the secular authorities and the first use of the law properly could come in uh, there hasn't, there's, there's, no segue. It just, you know, and they call it the first and second table because Moses came down with two tablets. But of course we do know that those were two copies of the entire covenant. Uh, when, when he didn't come down with the Roman numerals, one through five and six <laughs> through 10 or something. Uh, and by the way, the way that the Decalogue is, is divided and numbered uh, in the, the Hebrew re- reckoning of it, it is one through five and six through 10. In the Lutheran one we just saw, and the Catholic one, it's like, what? One through three three and four through ten, but all right. Um, I hear Barclay. Excitable. Uh, Let me read a lengthy excerpt from Calvin. I know that Sean was hoping I would do that, and I don't even mean something fun my son said. I mean uh, John Calvin. Um, It's not that lengthy. Uh Uh-oh, did I... Here it is. Okay. Um, He writes this in his institutes. Wherefore, we ought to have no doubt that the Lord here lays down this universal rule, namely that knowing how every individual is set over us by his appointment, we should pay him reverence, gratitude, obedience, and every duty in our power. And it makes no difference whether those on whom the honor is conferred are deserving or not be they that what they may the almighty by conferring their station upon them shows that he would have them honored that's you don't you don't follow translate for yeah. uh, he's saying basically god put people over you and sometimes you go yeah but that teacher is awful and mean or yeah that president uh gas bag or whatever and uh mm-hmm. Calvin's saying but god put them over you and they are to be honored. To give them all, all that is due them, uh, and that is a difficult thing, I think, uh, it, especially for Americans and people in in Western society right now to to grasp, uh, and uh, me included. Um, let me read. Actually, somebody got a Bible over there. Anybody? Yeah. Somebody, look up First Peter two seventeen. Somebody else, Leviticus
1: 19.3. I've got Leviticus.
0: All right, we'll okay. have you on deck. First Peter, that's a hard one to find. One of the general epistles at the very end. Because it's a
1: lot easier to find first
0: Peter. Leviticus never ends. I
1: was going to go for Leviticus 2 because I was
0: writing Exodus still. So. Sean, you got it. We can't hear you, buddy. Do you mute yourself? First Peter. Yeah, I muted myself because the dog was barking. Um, First Peter what? 2.17.
1: Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king.
0: Oh, okay. This is Peter. This is Peter who, you know, going to be put to death uh, violently, Peter. Uh, Peter chopping off the ears of the high priest's servant, probably because he was going for the head of the high priest himself, uh, but he wasn't there. Um, This is Peter saying, first of all, read it one more time. We got three things here.
1: Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of
0: believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Four spheres here, then. What's that, hun? You want to
1: hear
0: the ESV? Sure. Aaron wants to give us the ESV. It must be better.
1: Well, it says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor.
0: Honor the emperor. So, I mean, the emperor here is not a good leader. He's not a godly man. He's no friend of the church. And yet, in one breath, honor everyone, give everybody the respect uh, that you'd want. You know, this is kind of golden rule stuff. Love the fellowship of believers. They'll know that, who, that you're my followers because you love one another. And then fearing God paired there with honoring Caesar. Uh, it's a, a paradoxical thing. Uh, his honoring of the emperor doesn't get him any special favors uh, when it's time to crucify him, unless crucifying him upside down was a, a special favor reserved for friends of the emperor. So it's not it's not one of those situations where we are bootlicking or or trying to use worldly mammon, you know, in in the sense of of Jesus' parable. It's just because, as awful as that guy was, Peter knew God had put him in authority, and for all the ill he had done, the Pax Romana was keeping order and holding many, many people back from doing the wickedness that they would do, the first use of the, of the law.
1: And it also made it possible for them to spread the gospel.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, God, God even these things that, that might've been meant for evil, like uh, you know, when people get expelled from cities or, or this kind of thing, um, the gospel, the, the roads that were built for fast uh, travel to the enemy, right? Now is uh, how beautiful are the feet walking along these roads toward people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know. I mean, I know that he, whatever he meant here, he didn't mean Trump. Uh, and he, and he didn't mean Whitmer depending on where you sit. He meant everybody, but right. (laughs) It's a, it's a, I think fortuitous or providential time to, to be reminded of this kind of thing, uh, that, that every one of us has the people that, we, we go, oh, yeah, yeah. When I see that person in power authority, I kind of feel, ah, America. And when I see that person in power authority, I go, oh. And it's okay that we all have those. But the command here is those who are in authority over you. And this is why I think we're also commanded to pray for them. Uh, not only because pray, uh, working toward and praying for the good of the city in which you live, meaning the, the land where we're uh, aliens, is um toward the good of everyone who lives there, including the kingdom of God, uh, the, the the members of the church, the household of faith, but also because to do so, we you know, I, I try to regularly pray for our our mayor, our governor, our president, our the lawmakers, the the, the police officers. I, I used to do a better job of that, I think, in the pastoral prayer, uh in Sunday worship. I should try and you know make sure I'm I'm rotating through these things again. It's a good way To get your mind in the posture of honoring those who god has put in authority over you what does this mean it means paying homage to giving honor to everyone who is rightly in authority over you um that's hard stuff to swallow sometimes but being christian wasn't meant to be easy
1: well i think that um like just from the very beginning the fact that our country exists as it does was because people decided I'm not going to honor this person who's over me. How dare you, ma'am?
0: It's true. I mean,
1: it's, it's, it's really true, but I think that that's, that sets your national identity as people who rebel.
0: Yeah. And we don't have time. It's about time to, to, uh, it's a short one because (laughs) I gotta get everything set up and everything for, for church. But, um, it's also, we'll talk about next week. It's a little bit extra complicated, in a form of government where the people are representatives of you. Right. And it's a democracy. So you essentially are the government. You're weighing in on all these things. Um, I mean, there are situations in antiquity that veer in that direction, but nothing like what we see today. Uh, I I give God thanks and praise for that. But then you are stuck in this. How do I, but I think we can all probably agree that what God wants for us is not to have the church be where the vitriol is spewed from. Uh, and it seems like more and more, at least um, if I accidentally find myself on Twitter, that's what's happening. Um, and and you know, you'll know you are my followers by how dank your memes are, right? Not by how much love you show. And the fifth commandment is reiterated in the new Testament more than once. And it wouldn't even need to be uh, because it's, it's not wrapped up in the ceremonial law and the trappings of time and place in the old covenant. It has to do with the moral law. God built this into uh, his, and and, and we, we might even say, Ooh, I'm going to open a can of worms and then we're going to shut it down. Christ following this uh, gives honor to his earthly father, but in eternity, begotten, not made, uh, Christ honors his heavenly father uh, as the second person of the Trinity, not that he is subservient to, but that there is this uh, relationship, and He, when it's time to come, he submits to the will of the father and comes, uh, and he's about, you know, you've seen me, you've seen the father, and then the spirit comes and is shining light on Christ who has, has uh, ascended. And so this is not, I mean, if, if, if Jesus did it uh, now, granted, it, he's got the easiest father to honor. Um, but for us, it's, you know, G- Jesus did not say to Herod when he stood face to face, he did call him a, a Fox at one point, which did not mean that he was like good looking back then, but wily. But when he stood before him, he, there's like the civil disobedience of I'm not answering your questions. But he didn't say, you're, you're not even a Jew. You're not a rightful ruler. You don't sit in David's, on David's throne. You're a joke. He didn't say all the stuff he could have. Um, when he stood before Pilate, he answered him. He, did, he acknowledged you wouldn't have any authority over me if it had not been given to you from above. But then he acknowledges it was given to you from above. And he answers his questions. And he respects Pilate. It's clear. Uh, he respects his position anyway. Uh, and, I mean, I don't think America has ever seen as corrupt an official as Herod. Uh, and yet, I think there's often been times when the church feels kind of a license to say, well, we don't got to respect so-and-so, uh, this governor, this, you know, our, our, our senator, or whatever, you know, this president. Uh, I think that that becomes, um, we're the exception territory very quickly and very easily. So let's, let's pick up there next time. Um, and I think there's a lot to talk about there. So let's briefly go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll, we'll continue on with question 53, uh, and get into then what is the reason annexed to the fifth command, which I think is the real meat of this. What does it mean for us today that there's this promise, uh, connected to this commandment? Uh, does it just mean that if Calvin sasses to me one too many times, his life gets cut short. No, probably not. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this beautiful day again, and we praise praise you for it. We thank you for uh, your your glory, your kavod, your your weightiness. That you are indeed the the greatest possible being. And Lord, that that is your definition. You are the God who is, and without you, there is nothing. And we're so honored and humbled that you would hear our praise that you would speak to us in your word and that your spirit would illuminate its meaning to us we're we're so thankful that that you are willing to um let us try to honor you even though we fall short again and again but you don't disavow us we're so thankful that when we fall you help us up and wash us clean And put the sword back in our hand and help us along the path all the more. And we are so thankful, Lord, that you are our God and not any of the gods of the nations, the gods of the heathen, the gods who would have long ago uh, demanded uh, blood from us. Instead, Lord, you provided the blood and your son, Jesus, dying on the cross. We We would never want any other God. We are so thankful that you are who you are, that you've spoken to us the way you have, that your law is here for us. We delight in your law, Lord, uh, just as David did. And we pray that you would help us to find it all the more clearly written on our hearts day by day. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.